there and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. Cool, so I am bringing to you the second message in our Plus series. So we started this two weeks ago and Kai brought us a message um, I should start with the verse, shouldn't I? I've got the notes right in front of me and I still jumped ahead. So (laughs) let's restart that. So the PLUS series, which is all about how there are qualities that we can add to our faith to elevate it and to bring it to the next level and to make ourselves more effective for God. Because that's what we want to be. We don't want to just be people who show up on a Sunday list and think, cool, that was nice, and then go and it makes no difference in our world or the world of the people around us who we love and care about. We want to make a difference. So the key scripture for this series comes from 2 Peter chapter 1, it's verses 5 to 8, which should be just on the screen. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So two weeks ago, Kai brought us a message on the first two qualities that Peter tells us about, um, goodness and knowledge, and he was saying how if we get to know Jesus and we spend time with Jesus and we make him an integral part of our lives, that's how we learn, and it's also how we learn his goodness and how to be more good. Um, sorry if I butchered your, your message there, Kai, but just a summary there. Um, so what I'm going to speak to you about this morning is the next two qualities on that list. Um, so Mike gave me the really easy ones of self-control and perseverance. So nice light, light ones to talk about this morning. Um, but we're going to look at how adding self-control and perseverance to our faith can take our faith from being passive to being active, and how being active elevates us from being more than just faithful, but makes us agents of faith. So before I start, I have to confess something to you. <laughs> Mike asked me to preach in kind of late, late November. He said, would you be up for preaching in January? I was like, yeah. Got a busy December. We have the Jolly Holly Fair. We have a carol service. Like, There's lots going on, but then I've got the Christmas holidays where I can really just you know, get, get it together, I can dedicate myself to loads of devotions, pray like I've never prayed before, and I'll enter the new year brimming with wisdom and with, with the word to bring to you. It will just come. I sort of sat on my computer like, come on then, Jesus, what am I going to say? Um, it didn't quite go like that, um, <laughs> not in small part because that's not generally how it works, I was told afterwards. Thanks, guys. Um, but also because I didn't really stick to that plan. Um, Christmas, I was exhausted when Christmas came around, and I knew I wanted to rest, and rest I did, but I also sort of let go of the other things that I had intended to do. So uh, I didn't read my Bible, I didn't pray very much, not altogether, but not very much. Um, But while that's not a great thing to tell you, (laughs) to confess to you, it does show it is a really good example of the importance of self-control and perseverance and that it requires self-control to be able to rest and to be able to relax but without letting all of your daily disciplines completely go and it takes perseverance when your day to, your regular day-to-day is suspended 
to be able to keep on top of those things. So that's what I learned from that time, which I like to think was actually God preparing me for today. Um, but I also hope that everyone else in this room can kind of resonate with that and has had an experience where something that you had good intentions about drops off when it gets a bit tough and it feels like a little bit too much effort. So like me, it could be that it was um, something in your faith, faith, life, like faith life, like your devotions um, or pr your prayer, prayer life. It could be the gym. That's probably another common one if you said you're going to go to the gym. When that feels like a bit too much effort, you stop going. Or maybe even like there's a club or an activity that you keep saying, I really want to do this. I really want to try this. The time comes around and it just feels like a little bit too much effort to get up and go. But the problem with that is what comes next. And that's that when we let things drop that we know that we should be doing or that we want to be doing, we feel like we failed. And then we judge ourselves for it. We judge ourselves for, for failing, for messing up, and for not keeping going. There was a study um, shared in the New York Post that says February the 1st is when the average person gives up on their New Year's resolution. So that means we've got nine days left. Hands up if you made a New Year's resolution of any kind. Ooh. Well, you've ruined my picture, guys. <laughs> Uh, there we go, thanks. If you just pretend you did. Um, and then I was going to ask you to keep your hand up if you were still going and hope that a lot of those dropped away, but never mind. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because the important bit, the, the stat that I actually wanted to know and the stat that I couldn't find is how many people who gave up on their New Year's resolutions did so because they failed. That might not make sense if I just re-explain that. How many people stopped trying because they failed or they messed up once. So they stopped trying to do something and they did it once. So then they're like, oh, well, I failed. And then they, they stopped trying to do that again. Or the other way around. They resolved to not do something that they don't want to do anymore. They slip up and they do it once. And they, oh, that's it, I failed. And then that's actually the reason that we give up is because we've messed up once. Which, in the grand scheme of things, if you've resolved to give up something totally... Doing it once is still pretty good, even if that has happened in the 23 days since January the 1st when we made our resolutions. I think that's still a pretty good number. So sometimes we do fail, and that's okay. And we fail because we lack something. Sometimes it's something like quite concrete, like maybe a skill or a resource that we, we don't have. More often than not, I think it's a quality. Um, so it could be... Um, motivation's probably a big one. Motivation, energy, courage, um, self-control, perseverance. You can see where I'm going with this. And that does happen in our faith life as well, however long you've been a Christian, whether it's a really long time or it's just new to you. We resolve to maybe spend more time with Jesus or be a better witness. Like, I'm going to invite someone next Sunday. I'm going to invite someone to that event. And if we don't, if we mess up, so we forget to invite someone, or maybe we, there's a situation that we want to change and we're praying into it, but then we feel like we, we didn't pray quite as well or quite as often as we should have. And if that situation doesn't turn out how we want, we think we failed. And then when we've messed up like that in our minds, we stop trying because it's too painful to try again, and it takes too much effort to keep going when you face setback. So what's the antidote to that when we feel like something is just too much effort? It's self-control and it's perseverance. 
In James chapter 1, James writes, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So if we fail because we lack something, but when we ask God to work in us and provide what we lack, we can keep going. So even if God, it feels like, hasn't answered our prayer immediately, perseverance, that verse tells us, is the way to mature and complete faith when we believe that even if we're not seeing the fruit or the answer to prayer immediately, we keep going because God has promised that to us. So in the Bible, Nehemiah is a really good example of this. Um, So a bit of context on on this story. So at the time when this was written or written about, the Israelites have returned to Jerusalem from their exile, but they've kind of only partially repopulated the city. It's still in ruins. It's not been properly rebuilt. And Nehemiah hears from his brother that the walls of the city are still torn down. The Jews are, it says, living in disgrace. So it's not quite the triumphant return from exile that they would have wanted. Now, Nehemiah knew that his people had a promise from God to return to that land. And he asked God to remember that promise. So in Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 8 to 9, he prays, Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. That's Jerusalem. So Nehemiah is a faithful servant of God, and he obeys God's commands, and he sees that God's purpose for him is to return and to rebuild the city, the city that is still in ruins. But that's quite a big ask. That's quite a hard task, particularly for one guy, and one guy who lacks a lot of what is required for that task. So as we follow through the story, we'll see that Nehemiah lacks freedom, he lacks resources, and he lacks lacks safety. But at each point, he prays to God to provide what he lacks, and that is perseverance in action. So who Nehemiah is, he is a slave, he's the cupbearer to the king Artaxerxes. I definitely wrote that phonetically in my notes so that I would get that right, didn't plan to tell you that but I did it. Um, So he's a cupbearer to the king. He's a slave. He's got very little power. He doesn't have the freedom to say, I'm going to go to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. But he prays and he asks God to provide what it is that he lacks. So in verse 11, he asks God, please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. The story continues, and it says the following spring, he gets his chance. So he's, he's at work. It doesn't sound quite right when you think about someone in the Bible, but he's at work. He's with the king, and the king can see that he's down. Something's wrong, and he asks him what it is, and Nehemiah tells him the situation. He says, my people have returned to their city, but the city is in ruins, and the king asks him what he could do to help him. So Nehemiah responds in chapter 2, verses 4 to 5. He says, with a prayer to the God of heaven. So he's preceding this with prayer. If it pleases the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. And the king agrees. The king says, yeah, all right then. You can 
stop work, you can, you can go. So he gives him the freedom to go and enact his purpose. And then Nehemiah says, oh, okay, I'm paraphrasing here, if I can do that, can I also have some letters from you to grant me safe passage? And the king agrees, and he gives him letters to secure safe passage. And then Nehemiah, getting a bit cheeky, asks for timber to go with him to physically, literally rebuild the walls. And the king says, okay, yes, and he grants him that as well. And then the king on top of that says, and have a few of my military officers to go with you to keep you safe. So there's two things that I want to pull out of that. And the first one is that God answers Nehemiah, answered Nehemiah's prayer, but he didn't do it when Nehemiah asked him to. So that first verse where Nehemiah prayed, um, grant me success today. And then it says the following spring is when the conversation with the king happened. So we don't know exactly how much time passed between there, but it's got to at least be a few months because we're saying the following spring. Um, but that is when God answered Nehemiah's prayer. So he was faithful in the gap in the time between his first prayer and when that happened. How often do we pray for something and we give up when we don't see the fruit? When there's a difficult situation and it's compounded by what feels like a lack of an answer to prayer, that God isn't listening, God isn't answering our prayer, it's really hard to keep praying and to keep persevering when you think you're not, he's not hearing you, he's not listening to you, or maybe he is listening, but you must be praying for the wrong thing because it's not happening. And that's really hard. That's a really hard challenge. But our tendency is to stop trying. But what Nehemiah did is he persevered in prayer. The second thing is that God answered his prayer above and beyond what it was that Nehemiah asked for. So when he first prayed, he wanted the king to be favorable to him to grant him freedom. But then he also got the state letters of safe passage, the resource, and military officers to protect him. Whatever it is that you lack that is hold, like preventing you from, from taking the step forward and making that change, God will provide it for you, and abundantly more, if you have the perseverance to ask for it and to keep asking for it. So we jump a little bit ahead in the story, and Nehemiah um, is now in Jerusalem, and he's got the resources to build his wall. The Jewish leaders there have um, given him some workers who are going to help him, um, but he still faces opposition, and he still faces threats. So as I said, the, the Jews have kind of partially repopulated the city, so there are still a lot of enemies of the Jews there, and they are furious when Nehemiah starts to make progress, when they see that the wall starts to be rebuilt. They mock him and they threaten violence. Um, in chapter four, this is um, one of them, uh, one of the, the named enemies who says, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think that they can build the wall in a single day just by offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think that they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? So Nehemiah knows this, he knows that this is happening around him. What does he do? Do we think he gives up? <laughs> he doesn't give up. He prays. So, <laughs> he, so he, he's fully aware. He says, they all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. But we prayed to our God and guarded the city night and day to protect ourselves. So he prays to God for protection, but he also takes action. 
And that's the key bit that I want to focus on. He's still praying. He's still being faith-led and faith-driven. But he's not just sitting there saying, come on, God, do your thing. He's taking action in that gap. So they split the workforce in two. So they have half of the people who continue working and half of the people who stand guard to protect those. And then it says that even those who are working do so with one hand holding a weapon in the other. So they're prepared and they're ready. So they persevered in prayer and in action and then they completed the rebuild of the wall in just 52 days. So again, it's another example that God has answered Nehemiah's prayer, but not perhaps in the way that he might have wanted. It wasn't easy, and it wasn't free from sacrifice. The outcome, though, the Bible tells us, is that those who opposed Nehemiah saw his triumph, but more importantly, they could see that he triumphed because of God. So in chapter 6, verse 16, it says, When our enemies heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. So they saw that, and they they knew that it wasn't just Nehemiah in that situation. Yes, he was the one who was stepping out. He was the one that was taking action. But he had a big God behind him, and that became visible through the actions that he took and through the prayer that he was was lifting to God. Nehemiah had the faith to believe in God's promise and God's purpose for him. But I really think that the plus in this story is his perseverance. So his perseverance to keep praying and to keep taking action, even when he faced pushback and when he lacked what it was that he needed to be able to succeed. So by adding perseverance to his faith, Nehemiah moved from being faithful to being an agent of faith, and he became effective for God. 52 days. It's not a long time to build a wall, but with everything that we know is going on in that situation, how frustrated must Nehemiah have felt? He truly believed, he knew that God's purpose for him was to go to to Jerusalem and to build that wall. And yet, he kept getting these obstacles in his way. He was being faithful, and yet he was being mocked. He was being threatened, and he didn't have what he needed. Have you felt like that? Do you feel like you've been called to something, and you lack? You feel like you lack what you need to actually make that happen? Like God has a purpose for you, and you believe wholeheartedly he has a purpose for you, but you're like, to get from where I am to where you want me to be... I don't have the goods. I'm not ready. Or have you been promised something by God and you're yet to see the fruit? Has he promised some breakthrough for you that you're just not seeing? The story of Nehemiah challenges us to see the plus in that the impact he had required more than just his faith. I'm not saying don't pray. (laughs) I'm not saying it's us and it's not God who make those moves. But that story says to me that we need to pray, we need to be faithful, but we need to take action in that gap. So here's my question. Why did Nehemiah never ask God to rebuild the city? He never once in that story prayed to God to rebuild the walls, which was the task that ultimately he wanted to do. Nehemiah will have known that God was perfectly capable of that. God didn't lack anything in that situation. God could have clicked his 
metaphysical fingers and rebuild the wall without Nehemiah. And in that situation, a faithful person might quite rightly pray, God, please rebuild this city. And there's nothing wrong with that. But Nehemiah understood that God had called him to a purpose. And he understood that God's purpose for him was to rebuild the city. So rather than a prayer of faith alone, he prayed with perseverance to see his purpose through. And he didn't just pray that the city be rebuilt, but he prayed to be equipped with what it was that he lacked in order to be effective for God himself. So perhaps to really see the plus in our lives, Is it back? It's back. (laughs) So you need more than faith. You need to make the effort to not just ask God that he does something, but that he equips you to do something. And I really, really, really believe that if we ask that of God, he won't leave us where we are. He's not going to leave us lacking. He's not going to leave us feeling ill-equipped. But it takes a lot to do that because not only are you recognizing that there is a purpose or a promise that is probably a lot bigger than what you feel you can take on. You're then also recognizing something in yourself that you're lacking, that you don't have, which can be quite uncomfortable and quite hard. And then you're taking the step to then actually ask God for that. And that's brave to ask God for that because you're being brave and acknowledging what you lack. But if you really believe, like I think we, we do in this room, that if we pray to God to give us what we lack, he will do it. That purpose and that promise that feels really scary, suddenly it's going to happen. And that can be the scary, like it can be great to think, oh, God has got this great purpose for my life. I'll get there in 10 years. Like when I'm ready, I'll get there. But if we know what it is that we lack and what we need to get there and we ask him to to fulfill that in us it might still take 10 years but we know it's going to happen and that is scary so Nehemiah wasn't equipped with anything that he needed to rebuild the city other than the perseverance to keep asking God to equip him with the next thing first it was his freedom it was resource it was safety so even if all that we have is a heap of charred stones from a rubbish heap which is what, the, what the, it, they said that the Jews had, God can still work a miracle. So imagine if we all had the faith to believe that God will fulfill every promise and purpose plus the perseverance to be obedient, keep listening to him, and ask him to give us what it is that we lack. We'll no longer... Just, I say just, because this is still pretty good, but no longer just believe that God can answer our prayers and be a faithful church of people who who believe in God and who he says he is. But we'll be asking God to make us a vessel for that answer to prayer. And whether it's in our own lives or whether it's in other people's lives and those around us, we will become a vessel for God to work through and to answer prayer. In that way, our faith will be multiplied and we'll be effective and we'll be more fruitful than we've ever been before. If we feel like we have faith, we come on a Sunday and like that's great, but it's not really doing anything. It's not really leaving this room. This is what we need. We need to ask 
God for this. So seeing the plus and adding perseverance to our faith will take us from being faithful people to agents of faith. I truly believe that God has so much planned for every individual in this room. And while he doesn't need a single thing from us, he wants us to take an active part in this. Um, I like to imagine a God um, and how he might think. Like, it must be quite boring if you have the power to every promise, every purpose, every prayer to just go, yeah, all right. That's that's quite boring. But what he wants is he wants a relationship with each of us and to use us to make those things happen. It's a lot more exciting. So this morning, let's pray and let's ask God to level us up to be agents of faith. So if you just join me, I'm going to pray. But um, yeah, think if there's a particular situation, a particular purpose or promise or something that you know you're lacking, that you just need God to, to give you, please just, just lift that to him. So Father, we thank you that you are a God who loves us and wants a relationship with us. And we ask that you equip us with whatever it is in order to fulfill your purpose and see the promises that you have given us come to fruition. We ask that you take us from being faithful people to agents of faith. Amen.